welcome to the Bikers Church Midrand Podcast. It's great to have you join us for this week's episode. We hope that you find this valuable for your daily life. Welcome and thank you for joining us today as we wrap up our series, We Are the Church. During this series, we've really just been looking at the life of Jesus and these significant moments in the life of Jesus. One of them being where he actually uses this word church. You see, we all have an idea as to what church looks like and means. But what did Jesus mean when he said church? And in this moment, as we looked into it, we realized that Jesus wasn't talking about a place, but that he was talking about a people and you might be in a place where you don't like the place church because of the people at church because honestly in your estimation uh, the people of church people who call themselves Christians um, from where you're standing they are just judgmental homophobic moralists who secretly think that they are the only ones going to heaven and and within their own hearts, they're kind of glad that everyone else is going to hell. And if that's been your experience, then I really can't blame you for feeling that way. But the good news is that when Jesus spoke about his church, Jesus never used the word Christian. And Jesus never spoke about Christians. Jesus spoke about his church using a different name. He, he spoke about disciples. He called his followers disciples. And that's exactly what disciple means. Disciple means follower. It means apprentice. It means imitator. And as we call ourselves the church, and if you today call yourself part of the church, then that is really what we're calling ourselves. We're calling ourselves followers of Jesus. We're calling ourselves imitators of Jesus. And it is impossible to be an imitator without imitating. It is impossible to be a follower without following. So as we consider ourselves followers of Jesus, our lives need to look like his life a day came where where religious leaders kind of confronted jesus again and and as they confronted jesus they they essentially would were always looking for an opportunity to trip him up and to 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 mess with him um to try and catch him out and on one of these moments again uh they ask jesus this question they say to jesus they say what is the greatest command? Now, in all honesty, Jesus didn't always answer them. Sometimes he just moved right past because he understood what the intent of the question was. But in this moment, as they ask him, what is the greatest command of all? Knowing that they're still trying to trip him up, he chooses to answer. This is what he says. In Matthew 22, he says this. He says, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two 
commands. So straight off the bat, he's saying the greatest commandment is to love God with all your heart, soul, and mind. This is the greatest command, but I can't just stop there. There's a second one that is equally as important, and that is that you love your neighbor as you love yourself. He carries on here though, and he says this, he says, the entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commands. Now, so often we just breeze past that, but it's so important for us to recognize the importance of what Jesus is saying there. He's essentially saying that these, the Ten Commandments that came through Moses and all the, all the 600 and whatever laws that followed that on top of everything, that all of that is fulfilled when we love God with all of ourselves and when we love our neighbors as we love ourselves. See, what Jesus is saying essentially is that each time we pick up a Bible, each time we leave, read from Scripture, each time we, we teach from Scripture, it's each time we, we, we pick up Scripture uh, to find a law about something or to point out a rule about something, um, each time, each time we, we, we ask the question, hey, what does the Bible say about, and you can fill in the blank there, what does the Bible say about marriage, what does the Bible say about love, what does the Bible say about parenting, about neighboring, about co-workering, what does the, the Bible say about morals, ethics, values, what is what does the Bible say about all of these things? It's, it's here where Jesus is, is essentially saying to you and to me that whenever we do any of these things, we need to filter those moments through these two commands. Love God and love people. Love God with everything inside of yourself. And love your neighbor as you love yourself. And as we wrap this series up today, like, what's the way forward look like? How do we move this forward practically? How do I, how do I in a practical way live this out? In order for us to live this out daily, practically, we need to ask ourselves a question that we introduced last week. And that question is this. What does love require of me? What does love require of me? If you're a Jesus follower, if you consider yourself a Jesus follower, if you call yourself a Jesus follower, then I believe this is the most important question that, that, that you need to be asking yourself. What does love require of me? We need to be asking this question in everything that we do. I need to be asking this when I'm dealing with my wife. What does life, what does love require of me? When I'm dealing with my kid, when I'm, when I'm functioning in the workplace, when I'm, when I'm functioning in social settings, like in all of these spaces, with all of these people, in all of these situations, I need to be asking, what does love require of me? What does it look like to love my neighbor as I love myself?
Now, ultimately, in life, there, there, are, there are two categories of people in, in your life and in my life um, who, who have either empowered us or have left us uh, walking through life with, with a limp. And essentially, those two categories of people have essentially done one of two things. So they either fall in the category of, of people who have hurt you or in the category of people who have loved you. People who have hurt you deeply or people who have loved you desperately. Unfortunately, many of you are, are in a place where, 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 you've been, where you've been hurt deeply in life by by people who had really accurate theology like when it came to knowing the bible and and when it came to being able to quote a, a relevant scripture in the moment like they were on top of their game and that was all on the surface but 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 in the background behind the scenes they were draining the life out of you just think about it honestly let's get real for a minute how many how many pastors how many priests do we have sitting in prison today because somewhere along the line they they hurt mistreated uh, molested abused young kids and and today those kids are grown adults and those grown adults today are, are not are not impacted by by that man's theology but they are impacted by the way that that man treated them you see on the other side of that there are some of you today who who have incredible self-esteem you you you've got uh, incredible thinking about life like you you got a you got an, a, a, a great worldview um, and that's all because someone loved you profoundly and this somebody they, they they may not have been able to give you that relevant scripture in the moment that maybe their theology was even a bit shaky in the moment but the truth be told they loved you in a way that affected the very core of your being. And, and, and as a result, they, they set you up for life. Now, now this may be a, a parent. This may have been a coach. This may have been a teacher. This may have been um, a, a, a children's church leader. It may have been a youth leader. It may have been a, a life group leader, maybe in your early 20s even. But ultimately, they just loved you in a way that you couldn't ignore the way that they loved you. And from that, you were able to grow into the person that you are today. The truth be told, ladies and gentlemen, today you and I, we, we spouse from this point. We, we friend from this point. We, we, we lead from this point. We co-work from this point. Our, 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 our very lives are lived from these places, from how we were hurt, 
or how we were loved. The person that you are today has more to do with how you were treated than how you were taught to believe. And that's why living out these words of Jesus <laughs> are, are so profoundly important for you and me. Uh, these living out these words that we must love God with everything inside of us and that we must love one another the way that we love ourselves becomes so important for you and for me for, for our daily lives, but not just for us but because of the way that it impacts those around us. When Jesus launched his movement, it was all about how we love one another, how we behave toward one another. And then somewhere along the line, things got really mixed up and messed up and it, it shifted from how we love and behave towards each other to what we believe Jesus meant by what he said. And if we would just live the way that Jesus lived and stopped bickering over what Jesus meant by what he said, I believe we would live in a completely different world. Too much time, money, effort and resources has been wasted on bickering over what Jesus meant by what Jesus said. You see, Jesus didn't say a new command I give you, behave correctly. By this one thing, they'll know that you're mine. By the way that you believe correctly. No, he said, by the way that you love one another. You see, it keeps coming back to this one question. What does love require of you? What does love require of you? A couple of years ago, I... I Several years ago, I was um, had this guy at work that that irritated the life out of me. Now, pre-warning, this story doesn't put me in a good light. Um, but ultimately, this guy just irritated me. And whenever he stepped into a conversation, I stepped out. Whenever he stepped into a space, I found a reason why not to be there. Uh, not very nice of me, just being truthful. Um, and one day, he stepped into my lunch space. It was lunch break. Sat down. Uh, he came and sat by me and I was just too tired to get up and move. Uh, and, and I just looked at him and I said, man, tell me your story. Like, where are you from? How'd you grow up? What's your family life like? And he, this guy goes on to, to explain to me how his father committed suicide when he was a really little boy. And how he grew up without a dad. But that he grew up with this lingering thought the entire time of how much must his dad have hated him to have killed himself just to get away from him. Now, obviously, that wasn't a truthful um, statement, but, but it was a truthful belief within his own life. But as he's telling me the story, this guy starts to transform right in front of me. Like, I started to see this guy through, through different eyes. I started to look at him so differently. Once I engaged with his story, he changed. I saw him through different eyes as I viewed him through his story and the truth be told whenever Jesus engaged with people he didn't engage just with what was on the surface Jesus engaged with people through their story 
And, and it's because Jesus engaged with people through their story that he came off quite often looking to be quite inconsistent. Like he'd treat one person one way and, and another person another. We spoke about it last week. The, the rich young ruler, he says to him, go sell everything. The, the, the criminal on the cross, he's like, hey, today you'll be with me in paradise. Like super inconsistent. But the thing is that when Jesus looked at two different people, he looked at two different people. He looked at two different hearts. He looked at two different intentions, two different motives, and he dealt with people according to their story. And when I deal with you, it is so important for me to look at you and engage with you through your story, asking, what does love require of me? Just imagine for a minute, and I've said this a hundred times in our, in our series, if we just function from the standpoint, what would the world that we live in look like? You see, if you want to see someone change, you have one of two options. Hurt them deeply or love them profoundly. You want to see someone change, hurt them deeply or love them profoundly. You see, it's not what you believe that will change them, but it's how you treat them that will. I think that's important for us to grasp. It's not what you believe that will change them. (laughs) It's how you treat them that will change them. By this one thing, they'll know. By this one thing, they'll know. By the way that you love one another. Ladies and gentlemen, we are the church. We are His called out ones, His followers. We are His disciples. And we, if we've said yes to Jesus, then we've been called out of living these selfish, self-involved lives. We've been called into a place where we've said yes to His love and to not just accepting His love for us, but to, to really living out His love in the lives of others and living in a space where we ask this question, what does love require of me? We live in a space where we where we say yes to his new command, where he says, love one another as I have loved you. He gave up his life for us. That's how you must love one another and they'll know that you're mine by the way that you love. And you may be feeling pretty sick about that statement but by now, but I, I pray it penetrates your heart. I pray that you grab hold of this. Because I believe that when we live from this place, that is when we are the church that Jesus spoke of that is absolutely unstoppable. And that's us. That's you. That's me. When we live from this space. I wonder today, what's your next step? What's your next step? Maybe maybe you've been hurt deeply. Maybe you've been hurt deeply and you've just never dealt with it. You've never addressed it in your life. And today I want to urge you, let it go. Let it go. You see, 
when I'm not willing to let go my hurt, it means that whoever hurts me, I'm still giving them control over my life day in and day out. I'm still allowing them to dictate my behavior and my actions. And because we function from a point of hurt, we change the lives of people around us. Why? Because hurting people hurt people. Let it go. Chances are good you have to speak to someone. I want to encourage you to speak to someone. Speak to someone you can trust. And if you don't have someone like that in your life, please get hold of us. Make contact with us. We'd love to journey with you. You can get hold of us at our website, bikerschurchmidrand.co.za, on social media, Facebook, Instagram, uh, bikerschurchmidrand, even on our YouTube channel under the same handle. We'd love to connect with you and journey with you. Let it go. Talk to someone you can trust. But ladies and gentlemen, as Jesus followers, every time we pick up a Bible, each time we, we teach a lesson or, or, or struggle to, to figure out how to deal with difficult situations, our challenge is to filter our experiences through loving God and loving others. If we are going to be the church that Jesus spoke of 2,000 years ago, then we need to approach every day asking this really good question. What does love require of me? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you that we've just been able to spend time together in this series, Lord. Lord, I thank you that during this series, you could come and challenge our thinking around what does church even mean? What, what does it mean to be a Christian? What does it mean to be a follower? What am I claiming to live and how does my behavior line up with what I'm calling myself? And Father God, I thank you that we will take up your call wholeheartedly to love one another the way that you've asked us to love one another, that we will behave toward each other the way that you have asked us to behave towards one another. Lord, we commit these lives to you right now and we thank you that as we follow you, Lord, as we experience your love, that so we can share your love and express that love to the world around us, drawing people and pointing people to our Lord Jesus, who loved us enough to lay down his life for us. We're so grateful for that. May we be an accurate representation of your son. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, this week, we don't have three questions for you, we've got four questions for you. So, four questions to keep the conversation going. Three are for your group, one is just for you for homework personally. First question is, talk about someone who loved you well when you were growing up. 
how has that person's influence carried over into your adult life so that's the first question for the group second question for the group is what is the most what is most challenging about loving others and then the third question is that question for homework just for you to take home think of a person in your life who is difficult to love what does love require of you in your interaction with this person then the third question for the group is what's one thing you can do this week to demonstrate your love to others thank you for being with us during this series of we are the church let's get out there let's be the church that jesus intended us to be we love you we'll see you next week bye we trust that you found this message valuable for more information on who we are or how you can get involved please check out our website at bikerschurchmidrand.co.za or connect with us through social media on Facebook or Instagram. Beyond that, have a great day.